Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 42. Uh, this week I'm chatting to someone that I'm sure quite a few of you guys already know. It's Claire Defer, who is programme producer at Creative Dundee. Um, so she's part of all the amazing work um, that those guys do. And we get on to how she got the job at some somewhat unorthodox interview process um really sort of interesting and honest approach to it which yeah it is it's quite fascinating actually and a bit ballsy i suppose um we also get into talking about building a career in your second language um claire i mean being from France and building up a career here and the difficulties in that and how you take your language forward and the and the sort of steps that you need to take to do that and the, the points at which it becomes really difficult to get to the next level. Um, also, Claire said that there's this wonderful quote from the episode, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Yeah, that's one of the nicest takeaways um, from it. I think it's fantastic, but... I'll stop rambling on. Um, I'm just going to do another plug for the posters, the prints. Um, so I've actually found out that we've sold out of the, the shark print, which is awesome. Uh, we've still got three prints, uh, one risograph and two of the letter, the letterpress ones that were put out in the last sort of couple of weeks. They're actually now available down in Brewdog, so you can pick them up there. Um, they're £20 each. Um, and they're a collaboration between myself, Kevin Sinclair, and letterpress... Aficionado John Eason. And if you're new to the podcast, um, go to at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram and you keep keep up to date. You can also see those prints there. Um, if you do fancy one, um, just drop me a note. Just drop me a message. Um, we can arrange pickup in Dundee. Um, or if you're a bit further afield, yeah, you can go on the Etsy store. So the links to that are through cccdundee.com forward slash store. But let's get into the episode. So this is number 42 with Claire Defer. I arrived in Dundee by, by chance, really. Um, it wasn't a plan to go. I knew that I wanted to kind of get away where I, I was from. Um, so I'm from the southeast of France. And it's quite, um, the density of people is quite big, um, like high there. And, uh, and it could be... Yeah, a bit suffocating in a way, and I guess I needed to kind of um, go and explore somewhere else. So I had this opportunity to move to Dundee. Um, I followed my partner at the time. And yeah, I thought that um, the idea of moving to Scotland was quite um, romantic. Um, but then I was like, Dundee? Why Dundee? We're not somewhere else that I know. So did you know much about the city before you came? I know nothing about Dundee. I just knew that it was a good university and that was why we were kind of moving there. But I had no, no information whatsoever about Dundee, so it was a, a big discovery for me. And I, yeah, I think I, I felt welcome very quickly in the city. Um, and because I, I like exploring where I live and where I move to, I, I just take that time to know the city and, and I loved it. 
there was uh, so much to discover and uh, and yeah, I've, I've, I fell in love pretty quickly with the city and the people in the city, yeah. So what, what sort of work were you doing before you came here? And then what did, what did you start doing once you came here? Okay, so I, I moved at the end of my uh, master. I was doing a master in um, management, specialised in um, uh, arts organisations and events. And I was I was about to finish my master. I only had to uh, finish a project and to get an internship. So I thought this is good. If I do my inter- my last internship in Dundee, that would be a really good entry point for me uh, into the sector. So I didn't have experience in the job that I'm doing right now in Dundee. Like I didn't have experience in France. Um, so what was it you sorry I just jump back a little bit what yeah. was it you studied exactly before you came so uh, so I I have a scientific background actually I was really good in mathematics and physics and stuff like this and then after my baccalaureate I was no idea what I wanted to do so I went to university to kind of mature and um, um, my brother said oh you should try something like geography or history so I went for geography it's 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 like lots of disciplines in one, because you touch about politics, you talk about um, urban planning, but also uh, um, geology and and social and and all of these disciplines are mixed into one thing, which is um, a way of looking at the world. Um, but then I. I finished that master and I was like, okay, I don't want to be teaching geography. I don't want to be in doing research. Um, so I, I was a bit lost there. And then a few years after, um, a friend of me said, oh, why don't you try uh, management? Because I was really into um, arts and creativity and I was always kind of... Um, um, arguing how, how good it is for society and how how we should um, do more of it and how everyone should have a bit of this. Um, so they thought, yeah, have a go and uh, look at this master's. So I went back to university, which was kind of hard as a matter, um, matter student. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I think I found what I really wanted to do, um, this link between artists designers and and the larger public okay so when you so you finish your masters you've moved over to dundee a city that you didn't know a massive amount so you've committed to it now um so how did you have a job before you came over or was that something you had to do once you got here so no i didn't have a job i i came here um i looked for that uh, internship that i had to do it was quite hard because I didn't know what was the door I should be knocking at. Um, being new in the city, I just sent emails to everyone, um, to all the places. that. So I was really keen to work in the, um, with the local authority or with, with theatres and places like this. And, and I didn't have any, uh, any response, really, um, I guess, because... Um, I was maybe a bit shy in the way I was asking for my internship and and know that I know all of those people that I've been contacting at the time. I understand how busy they are and, and how easy it is to kind of just not um, not respond to those kind of random email of uh, foreign students looking for an internship. 
but I've been lucky enough to um, to get a place in the White Whitehall Theatre, and um, it was a really great experience because I met two amazing people um, in there, and they it really put me in that track that I am right now. Is that yeah, like I said, I I fell in love with the city and the people because everyone is so is so welcoming and and wants to do good and want to have an impact beyond themselves. And and that was this first experience that kind of gave me that sense and that motivation to kind of keep looking and keep digging into what's happening in the city and get more involved. So how long was it before you took on the, the Creative Dundee post then? Um, so I moved in April 2011 to Dundee. I started my uh, contract with Creative Dundee in June 2015 so that makes four years so yeah four years of randomness busyness crazy projects um I think what I've what I've done I knew I so I, I moved, when I moved to Dundee I knew that I had uh, three years to spend in the city because my partner at the time was doing a PhD and um and I thought, okay, that's going to be those three years where I am going to learn as much as I can and as fast as I can. And then after those three years, we'll kind of see what's happened. But we'll probably just fly away some some other cities and just bring our knowledge with us. And um, so, yeah, I was on a mission. I had this mission of like, let's just get involved with as many things as possible. Let's say yes to everything and let's just learn by doing um, because I, I very quickly realized that I wasn't going to find a job that easily in the city. There's not so many opportunities. And once you've done all the interviews in all the key organization and then you don't get those positions, then you're like, okay, I need to wait a couple of years before those positions comes back on the market. So I thought, okay, I'll, they want me to have experience. I'll just create my own experience um, through initiating my own projects. So uh, the first um, project that I kind of initiated was the shortcuts to filmmaking. And um, it was through volunteering um, for um, a project called um, Somewhere to Do Something. So it was Somewhere to. And um, this um, initiative was um, on the back of the Olympic Games um, they wanted to kind of uh, have a, um, a legacy from the Commonwealth and the, its organization was aimed to um, um, young people from 16 to um, to 24, I think, or something like that. And um, it was just to give them a place, a safe space to do whatever they like to do. And I really like this concept, so I thought I'll, I'll just use that or initiatives as a vehicle to kind of initiate my own projects in the city and um, I've, yeah learn a lot from that uh, we a couple of years after we even managed to get some uh, funding from the community fund and uh, it was a big learning curve for me yeah. so when when you first saw the the job advert for creative dundee was it an instant that's the position for me or like what was your reaction to the to the posting um yeah that was that 
was this. So what happened is that um, I've been seeing Creative Dundee. Um, I've been looking at up, up what they were doing since I moved to the city. And I was like, oh, this is really cool what they're doing. I would love to do projects with them. And I've been trying to have a coffee meeting with Gillian for so long, but I never really, the time never really come to, and I, I, and I wasn't sure I had the right ideas for it, and she seemed really busy, and so I just thought, it's fine, the moment will come, uh, just let the things mature a bit. And then before actually the job got adverts, um, I'd been contacted by Gillian who said, oh, look, I'm, I'm working on this event just now and I would really do with a hand. Can you can you come and help me? So then we, we worked together on this event. And then while we were finishing up um, this project, she was like, oh, I'm doing these other events. Actually, I could I could have some help as well. Do you, do you want to come and continue to work with me? And while we were organizing this uh, second event, um, this is when they they got the confirmation that they were going to have the funding, and then they put the job up, and I was like, oh, nice, this is great, this is, yeah, I could totally do that, I would love to do that. Um, but the funny story uh, behind this um, this contract is that only half of the job was really interesting for me, and I knew that the other half of the job I wasn't going to be good at and I wasn't going to enjoy it so I thought you know what just apply for half of the job uh, so, so just to give was, you yeah what was what's the half and half um, and so um the the contract was to recruit a full-time uh, freelance obviously um digital and programs producer so that's that's um what I I think it was kind of two jobs because there was this um, digital part uh, which was about uh, maintaining the website, telling stories, and um, using social media and stuff like this, which I'm not the best at. I totally understand the importance of it, but I I'm not good at. I've done it a lot on my own project, but I always struggled um, to do it. And then the other part was more about organizing events and uh, supporting uh, projects, and which is a bit more strategic, I guess, as well in the way it was um, it was explained. And I was like, "This is this is what I want to do, and I would love to do that for um, an organization like Creative Dundee." So I just went and, and I just say, "Hey, I'd be interesting for the job, but only that part. Is that possible?" <laughs> And, um, and that's quite a ballsy thing to do, though. Yeah. To well, go in and say, oh, I'm only half right for this, or I only kind of want half of this. Um, it's quite a bold move. Yeah, it was. It was a bold move, but um, I guess it comes because I've done so many interviews in the city, and I, and I, because I applied for lots of jobs, and I, and I, and I, and I did uh, lots of interviews where I've, I've been quite good, but never obviously good enough to get the job. But I learned a lot because I always ask for feedbacks and stuff. And um, and I think um, through that process, I realized that um, when you advert the job, you're not quite sure what you're looking for until you see the candidate in the front of you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you you understood the job better than I described it, um, and then therefore I'll take you. So that was something that I, I didn't do in my own interviews, where I was just trying to to 
get into the mold of what the job was described, which actually what people were looking for is that creativity that you bring in, into the job. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I just thought it would be... And also I think it's because I, I from the beginning, I had a, a really honest relationship with um, Gillian on the, this two project that we'd done um, previously. So I just thought, you know what, she'll she'll caught me if I say I'll be good at that. Um, so I'd rather just concentrate on that thing. And maybe part of me wanted to keep some time for myself and for my own projects as well. So I was kind of happy to be part-time and not just taking the full responsibility of the job. So during that application process, then I think Gillian decided to split the two roles out and to create two separate part-time posts instead of one full-time. Is that right? Yes, yeah. that's yeah, uh, yeah, that's what she 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 went for, and I think it works really well now because uh, instead of being two brains, we're three brains in the team, and I think that balances us out really well um, together. And and we do parts of other people jobs as well, but um, yeah, I think it makes uh, for a richer kind of creative environment within the team to be the three people. Yeah, definitely. I just think if you can have those extra minds to or extra mind to sort yeah. of feed in um yeah it's great especially if people can specialize in their areas um because i know obviously like dermot previously and then sam has come in as well to, to sort of enter the team um so how have you found like the over the was two years so yeah it's been two years uh two years and a few months that i've been working with creative dundee yeah. so how have you felt Creative Dundee change over those two years? Um, I think we we do a bit more of um, original content and original um, um, events and projects so we come up with more things like for example um, um, today is a really big day for us because we've been um, um, leading uh, the conception of a creative industry strategy for the city and that's very much kind of sum up what change for Creative Dundee for me is that we we're building in capacity and and we are actually not sure how to kind of phrase it because the way I see Creative Dundee is that um, we're trying to find a re relevance in the city so um, as Gillian said we only exist because because we need it and we'll exist as long as we need it so um, this um, organization has always been kind of led by the people and, and, and the creative sector and what so we've been really good at identifying the, the opportunities for us to kind of grow and be relevant in that work. And now we, um, we're a bit more... Um, we, we're, we're leading a bit more the way, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so we're taking on... Um, we have more experience. Uh, more confidence. More, yeah, more confidence, but uh, I guess it's more... more um, more experience and knowledge in the sense that now that we 
I've been in, in, in touch closely with the creative sector and we kind of see how it grows and we kind of understand the challenges and the opportunity in it. We, we, we can make up our mind on what kind of direction we can try to go. And um, I imagine people also started to come to you more because you have that reputation, because you have this experience and legacy and the work that you have done and the successes that you've had with the projects that you've worked on that now people will go, oh, well, I'll speak to Creative Dundee about this because they have that knowledge and they can facilitate this for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and it's not just, like, I always see Creative Dundee, it's not It's not just those three people that are working or, or on the board of directors or or it's, it's, it's really much a community because all of that knowledge and connections are not, just in us it's is part of a, a bigger pl- picture so we we just there to kind of connect the dots um together and and i guess what we we're doing more of now is that we we understand better the the din- dynamic of those dots and we can prioritize on what what connections need to be worked on and and who who do we need to engage in the picture and uh because I mean, you guys are have got a very good grasp on the the city and of the creative community. Um, but how long do you think personally it's taken for you to become embedded in that in the creative community here? Well, I'm still working on it. To be honest, um, I see that more as a process than as a goal. Okay. So, um, so yeah, how long? It, I think it took me about. A couple of years, three years to to get into the um, the sphere I wanted to work with, um, and then now I'm just trying to ex- expand that sphere to to just like grow arms and legs into it. Yeah, and, it, and the thing as well is that it, it's always changing that scene. There's always new people in and and new. Um, organization that we like start voicing themselves and that they didn't do before and so it's it's for me it's just becoming more and more complex it, you know it's kind of like um, more you know and more you know you don't know <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so 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 that's kind of this idea so if you because at the moment you're still still part time mm-hmm. if Gillian comes to you and says I want to offer you a full time position at Creative Dundee would you take it? Um, yeah um, yeah I would take it I'll um, it would yeah um, because I I do feel that in my free days right now I, I don't feel like I do have enough time to do all the things that I want to be doing because I always want to do more and we always have lots of ideas and um, we're always constrained with this um, limitation of capacity in our team even though we're really good um, I, I, I'm doing lots of work because we're quite efficient um, so yeah I think it would it would make my life a bit more current because that means that all of my working time is towards that thing and I don't feel divided with with something else. But in the way I think that 
full-time jobs don't really allow people to have a life. Um, so I, I really like my job because it, it questions a lot um, about a, a way of working, a way of living, a way of taking decisions for society and things like that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself a lot of questions of what kind of life I want to live. Um, is that five days, work two days, three? Um, is, is it a really good um, concept to live a life? Um, and I quite enjoy being part-time right now because it gives me uh, free time for other things that I find important, like spending time with my friends, cooking, but also um, um, have time to engage with, with the community and do some silly um, projects and, um, and events just to brighten it up a bit. Um, so yeah, I would, I would want to be full-time so that I don't feel divided in my head, but is my full-time maybe part-time? Yeah, or is it more of a balance of four days on, three days off yeah. type thing? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So let's talk a bit about those, those other projects. So beyond your, your Creative Dundee work, um, over the past few years, you, you've run a few different projects. Um, I suppose wearable art is, is one of the first ones I think I came into contact with. Do you want yeah. to talk a little bit about the, the sort of concept of yeah. that and how that ran? Uh, so yeah, the Dundee robot is a perfect example of um, of my way of working, I guess. Um, so I was still in this phase of wanting to uh, learn by doing and learn fast um, as much as I can. And um, and I'm, and I'm a really enthusiastic uh, person. I, I, I like when people come to me and say, oh, I have an idea, Claire. Why don't we do that? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And then afterwards, I regret a bit about that. I'm like, oh, my God. But but it's always a good experience and it's a good, always a good, um, interesting journey. So um, the Dandy Royal Arts, starting with uh, me wanting to be a bit more involved in the live performance aspect. Um, and I really like projects that kind of um, bring different disciplines in, in, one, in one place. And, um, and I met Alice through the, the Dundee West Fest. And um, Alice is from New Zealand. And um, the wearable art is really, um, it's a concept that is really um, popular in New Zealand. So she told me about it. And I was like, oh, this is great. Because that brings two communities together, which is the craft design community and the performance element and um, and it's enjoyable to see, so you can engage with a larger public um, because because it's highly entertaining in a way. Um, so yeah, so we we kind of just build that from scratch. Um, what I really enjoy about um, this project was um, when I was looking for all of the sponsors. Um, so the. The way I work is that um, we, I start with this kind of enthusiasm, energy uh, thing, and then I look around me and I'm like, okay, who could I be working with? What kind of resources I could put together? Um, what kind of space I can uh, uh, access? So I kind of just like worked all of those connections that I had in the city to make something happen um, without funding, really. And... Um, and it, 
it works brilliantly because everyone that contributes to the project really enjoyed it. There's a this some um, kind of really beautiful exchange that happened there. But for the person that actually driving the project is so draining. Um, and I think I kind of burned myself up um, doing that. I don't regret it um, at all doing it because I've learned so much and I made so so many beautiful connections in the city through those projects. But now when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God, this is a big best. Can I do that again? Um, I actually have a Creative Scotland application ready to go for that wearable art project. So how many, how many of them did you do? So I've done two of them. Um, and they were sort of, they were both at uh, Bonner Hall? Yes, yeah. both at Bonner And Hall. just, I suppose for anyone who wasn't there or doesn't know what it is, I mean, it's a combination of, I mean, it's a show, isn't it, and a performance. Mm-hmm. And each of the pieces has its time to then, to create a performance in front of the audience. Um, and then... Yeah. So the so the first year it was it was um, it was really simple the way we kind of um, uh, organized it. So we we had an open call for artists to come up with design, and then they would uh, submit their their piece of wearable art. Uh, so wearable art is just um, this idea of designing a, a piece of art or design uh, using the body as canvas. And um, so, so artists will submit um, their work of art, and then we will uh, recruit um, models. Which the first year was more um, volunteer people to kind of catwalk that that piece of art. Um, so yeah, the first year uh, the event had uh, really much this um, community um, aspect of it, where everyone kind of like were proud to show their work of art, and and all the the volunteers who were modeling was kind of like not experience at all, but just having a a, a blast at walking this around this piece, and um, yeah, it was all really really nice and friendly. And then the second here, I was um, trying to bring that to an, uh, another level because what I was trying to do is to encourage the artist to uh, think about how the piece of art is going to move and how is it going to be presented on stage. So I wanted to go away from that um, catwalk aspect of it, which is really hard to do. And um, so we had, uh, we recruited, um, I, th- I think we had a bit of funding. So we, we recruited an uh, artistic director to kind of have a vision for the show. And then we worked with um, with dancers. Uh, I have a few friends from the Scottish Theatre that kind of came and give a hand and uh, and had a bit of fun. And we did some uh, really cool um, professional photography with the, the pieces as well. And so, yeah, it was it was really nice to explore on their um, on their artistic point of view um, for that, yeah. And so that is potentially going to happen again then? Well... You know, you've taken a bit of a break and now... I don't know. I, I'm, so what I learned from that project is that I need... I need, I need to create a team around that, that project. I... I've been driving the bus on my own for these two, two. I mean, um, Alice the first year was really, uh, uh, really much helping in terms of motivations and 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 driving that thing, and then the second year and the help of my friend Lauren. But but I I never I don't know why, but I never managed to kind of create that 
team of people that are enthusiastic behind the project and kind of like make sure that we keep on track and and kind of um, get the thing going. So because it's relying just on me and my own energy, I'm just like scared of going to this again. Um, so yeah, I'm very much looking for enthusiastic people to kind of come on board and look at the thing and be like kind of taking that for themselves as well. So it's finding someone with the same sort of passion for the for the project. Yeah. I suppose that's key, it's especially it's it's often really difficult because you you don't want to ask people to to do things for free, but then passion can sometimes negate payment, mm-hmm. which is a strange area to get into mm-hmm. to be like someone's really excited about it, because um, you then get into like, I think there's this sort of exploitation comes into that as well when you're asking people to do things for free when they're really they're really excited about a project and like no I'm just doing it because it's a fun thing to do it's like well yeah but you're still adding value you're still creating something you should still be taking something for yourself from it because I've seen people work on projects for weekends and weekends and weekends and then be like oh no I don't want to take any money away from that project it's like well you deserve something out of that um but then I also think that it can sometimes be down to the balance between things um so there's sort of if these projects are aside from your sort of where you earn your money and earn your living, this is seen as a release. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that the sort of the creativity or, or using that project as a way to to get away from your your full time job or, or your part time. I, I guess whatever. this was yeah. what I, it was uh, what I was trying to say about the idea of having a part time job so that you can keep that time to release your creativity in, a, in something that is not a contract I'm I'm really guilty of that I I enjoy more work like what I call work but which is not because I'm not paid so I enjoy more projects where I'm not paid for than projects that I'm paid for because um, as soon as you have a contract and you know that you're going to receive that amount of money for the work that you're doing, there's this moral contract that kind of like um, paralyzes you in a way or um, maybe paralyzes not the good words, but you're much more judgmental to the work that you're doing because of that moral contract as if it's something that um, you're not going to get money for, uh, for. then you're like, yeah, I'll just do the best that I can. And actually the best that you can in those occasions sometimes is like way beyond what you would do for your own job. Mm. Um, so yeah, you'll spend weekends and, and less nights uh, uh, polishing up a website or making sure that you have everything organized um, just because there's no money attached to it. It's It's all about what you're giving to other people and, and the pleasure you're taking in organizing the thing. But then how do you find your life work balance within that? Because you still need to kind of bring food on the table. Yeah. And that's not a, it's not a sustainable model either. No. Um, I suppose it, it relates in some way to what I do with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we've now gotten to a point where I'm looking at ways of itself sustaining um, and not, not in a way in which it would pay in the same way as a job. I'd never expect that. I just need a little bit of like income to cover costs and things like that so I can keep doing this and keep... And there's sort of that level that you need to, to keep it going. 
Um, so yeah, I suppose it's just adapting that, um, doing everything for free and the value you're getting from it mm. and then the, uh, looking at a model to sustain it long term, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so with Wearable Arts, you were up on stage, you were presenting it um, front and centre and you, you did that at quite a lot of events. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Fred. Um, at what point in your career do you think you got that that confidence, that ability to sort of stand up and speak in front of people? Um, okay, I'm not sure it's about confidence. Okay, interesting. Um, because I I I'm scared every time. I'm not comfortable doing it, but I know it's part of my job, and I just need to go along with it. But I think there's a difference between being comfortable and being confident. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so I, I'm comfortable with it because I actually have done a lot of theatre. Um, I started theatre when I was uh, 15 and I and I've still kind of do it in some degrees. And I love that, um, that thing that you... Uh, yeah, so what I really like about theatre is that once you're on stage or when, what we call it, the scenic space, so it could be in a workshop or... or you kind of define a space where once you're in it, there's no social judgment anymore. There's no, like, you can do whatever you like. You're not going to be judged by um, the criteria that you might be judged in, in, in the street or in, in your work or in any other kind of space. And that liberty, um, I loved it. And um, so, yeah, I have um, quite um, a, a long um, track experience of, of doing that of uh, uh, exploring, um, um, yeah, theatre. So I guess, yeah, so I guess when I, when I, when I go and, and talk to a group or go on stage and kind of present an event, I, I, um, I just see that um, as a, a role I kind of play. And uh, and because I know the tricks and 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 I've and I learned the techniques, then I, I know how, how to go along with it. But, I mean, English isn't your first language, um, so it makes it sort of doubly difficult, surely, to do this. But, I mean, how's your coming over to, to, to Scotland and being forced to use a second language to build a career? Um, how has that been for you? Um, it's been liberating and constricting. So liberating because... Through speaking English, I I discover another side of myself, another part of myself. Um, because when you um, speak a foreign language, you think differently. The, um, and I mean, French and English are not that far away from each other. It's not like I, I learned Chinese or something like that. But still, there's a slight difference. Um, so the way the, the sentences are structured and the way you... Even the metaphor you use, like like the language, have a lots of um, cultural aspect in it, into it. So it kind of like helped me to detach myself from my French self and try to discover another um, um, side of me. Um, so that that was really really interesting for me, and also because. Um, it's fine. I'm French. I, I I can speak rubbish. People won't like be uh, offended or anything like that. So I can just make mistakes, and, and it's okay. I don't have the same uh, um, pressure than if I was speaking in French. Um, and but then now I'm 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 
I'm coming to that stage where I feel really limited with my language, um, with my speaking English, because I, like even now, I'm struggling to actually express what I really want to express. And and um, and I, f I feel really frustrated that people don't see me as smart as I am because of this barrier language. So there's lots of really complex um, uh, ideas and, and structure in my head that I can't come across in, in English. Mm. So sometimes it can be really like, oh, oh, I, I want you to understand me, but I don't have the power to say it. Yeah, it must be massively yeah. frustrating. I can't, I can't relate to that at yeah. all. So I have no experience in my French. It's yeah. terrible. Um, but so... Are there, I mean, how do you overcome this? How do you get your English to the next level? Uh, so I need, yeah, I need to figure out why I'm going to do that. Um, what I've been doing uh, recently is to read a bit more, uh, read uh, more um, more entertaining books, but also complex books. So kind of like familiar myself with, with more complex uh, structure ways of saying things. Because I'm... I think that my way of expressing myself is quite childish just now. Like, um, I don't have the the, the voc like. I understand better than I can speak. So you you can use lots of um, um, vocabulary to me, and I'll and I'll and I get it. But then it's going to be really hard for me to say it back, to kind of bring back the word in the right context. Um, so I need to work on that. I haven't figured out how I'm going to do that, but I, this is my next step. And I think reading is going to help me a lot with that. And and also just practicing, like just, um, yeah, just just keep on having conversation. And, and every time you learn something new, just try to use it um, quickly afterwards so that it can sink into your your brain. And so do you now think in English? Oh, yeah. I've thought in English quite quickly. Uh, start dreaming in English um, from the first year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's funny because now I, I, I come to a stage where I I don't know if I'm speaking English or French. I kind of like go from one to another without noticing it. And sometimes I start speaking and I'm like, no, you, you start in French now and they're not going to understand you. So I, I guess I, I'm getting really comfortable with, with the language now. Um, and recently I've been uh, trying to do some kind of uh, life translation. Um, and and it's, it's quite interesting to, to, to try to translate something from one language to another, like directly and not just like taking the time to do it. Um, but I use a lot of body language as well, so I think that that helps um, in lots of uh, different circumstances. Yeah. So um, Creative Dundee released uh, the the Ninety Nine Things Guide, which is now in its sort of second iteration, which is a democratized um, sort of crowdsourced opinion of the things that are great in the city, um, which I think is a fantastic thing that you can point people at. Because um, often I've, people go, oh, where's good for this or that or the other? And you just go, oh, here's a handy guide. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of want to pick your brains and say, okay, where are your favourite places in Dundee? Um, okay, so my favourite places in Dundee are places with people. Um, so for 
the first that came into my mind is the dandy rep. And it's not just um, about the shoes and, and, and things that you can do in the place, but it's about um, the people that are working in it. So I've been uh, I've been uh, working in the rep for a, a couple of years, and I was uh, behind um, the counter. So I was in the cafe upstairs, and uh, my job was to make coffees and serve lunch to people. And and what I really enjoy uh, during this experience is all the chats that I had with all the staffs and the regulars, and all of those really nice conversation that happened through through me being the counter and people coming and having a wee coffee break uh, and a chat with me. Um, so yeah, places like this are the places that I like in Dundee. And, um, oh, but yeah. it's like things to do. Right? So things to do, um, see, I, I'll just follow people and then, okay, so things to do in Dundee that I really like. I love going to the low. I love walking in the city, just walking in the streets, discovering new corners, um, going up the low and looking at, at, at the city from up up there. It's a really hard question. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, so uh, let's let's go on to talk a bit about the, the sort of the future of the city and the future of you and the things that you're up to. Um, so let's let's start with you. Um, where where do you want to go? What do you want to do in the next sort of few years? I want to do um, to explore more of what I'm doing. I think I um, there is still a lot for me to learn in my current position. And I, so yeah, I, I, I kind of want to evolve in, in that direction. I think I want to settle in Dundee. I'm not sure. We never know how it happened, but it's the direction that it's taking. And yeah, I guess what I really like in what I'm doing right now and the place that I am is that Cynthia, um, Dundee has a, the, the right size. I, I always wanted to have a, um, a role to play in society and I, and I wanted to um, work for a local authority or to have some kind of impact on the, beyond myself and beyond my, my community. And, kind of, um, and, and I think that um, Dundee is, is the perfect size and perfect... Um, kind of structure to play with that um, because everything you do as um, is, is quite eas easily seen and has a, a direct impact in what's happening in the city and and I, I used to say that Dundee is a, is a perfect playground for me um, so I don't feel like I work for Creative Dundee I feel like I work for the city in but in this really large sense of it okay. because my colleagues are you are um people in the city council people in other organizations and and i'm and i'm playing with them in this playground um so what do you i know your your role is as a, a program producer when you describe yourself to people do you describe yourselves as as a producer or uh, so yeah, I, when I, people ask me what I do, I say that I'm a freelance creative producer. 
but that doesn't mean anything to people. <laughs> uh, it means a lot to me, but and they don't really get it. So, so the way I describe my my job is that um, I bring people together and make things happen. That's the two key things I'm doing, and I'm doing that in the context of creative industries in the city and um, creativity in communities. And that makes more sense to people. And then I go more into detail and say, well, I organize events. Um, I um, initiate, plan and deliver programs. And, and very much what we're doing and, and my job especially is to kind of experiment new way of of making all of this current and relevant um, on the scale of the city. Cool. So in terms of, of Creative Dundee as a as a, a body, um, what, over the next few years, uh, what do you want to see it achieve? Um, I want it to be um, more... Um, more inclusive, more open. Not that we're not already, but um, I kind of um, see this outreach that we can have um, with um, different kind of communities and make it relevant for more people in the city. Um, I would love to explore more this idea of um, local democracy because um, very much what we're doing in our events and on our website as well is to kind of give that space for people to voice um, their creativity but also all of all of this conversation that happen and and exchange and, and, and people inspiring other people and um, has an influence on the decision maker and I can I can see that really um I can see that happening already in in the work um with the um Dendi creative industry strategy for example and um, something that we we kind of started off thinking that yeah we sh- we should be doing that but we didn't ask for permission to do it we didn't ask for um for resources to do it we just thought you know what, that sounds like something really relevant and I think that we we well placed to do that. Um, so we've been leading the discussions, but we've not. it's not like it come up for our brains. We actually did lots of workshops and, and we had lots of conversation around it and then pulling all of those things together into one, one document, one thing, one kind of vision for the city and then step by step people be being like oh you're doing that thing oh that sounds interesting and and i want to put my stone into into the building as well and that catalyst that we kind of like created for me is very much um this idea of local democracy that can influence on the political level but without doing politics in a way and so if you were to take that out one level further, um, so in terms of the city, um, what what change do you want to see over the next few years? Um, I would like to see more um, more, inclu- more inclusion and more diversity in the um, decision-making. Um, I have a very naive uh, vision of the world where it's just a bunch of 
manager uh, taking decisions for the rest of the people in their kind of meeting rooms and they were like oh we should be doing that and we should be doing that but um but actually once it's implemented it doesn't feel relevant to the people that are on the ground and it doesn't feel it feels like a waste of resources as if you look at what people are doing on their level with what they have it's quite innovative and creative so i want to see that more of that happening so for me it's about empowering people to find new ways of working and and leaving and exchanging and kind of yeah wow this is quite a bold statement but yeah i want yeah <laughs> so if if anyone wants to get in touch with you or find out a bit more about you where do they find you okay so you can find me on claire at creative um just drop me a line and we'll have a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. uh what about twitter um, I have a Twitter, but I am rubbish at Twitter, and this is why I'm not the digital producer. And uh, my Twitter is by Ricochet, but I am, um, yeah, you can get in touch with me as well through that. Cool. Uh, what, what's the significance of by Ricochet? And so by Ricochet is the name of my business, which is just myself because I'm I'm sole trader, and I um, and I've not been really active, but. Pie Ricochet, you, you know this game, uh, the um, uh, Skipping Stone? Mm-hmm. So Ricochet is the name we use in French to for that game. Uh, I know it has a slightly different uh, meaning in English because it's more about bullets and stuff like this. But for me, it sounds really p- poetic because of the French conne- connotation to this game. Um, the idea is that I... I'm this skipping stone that goes bounce back from project to project, but for each project, for each bounce, I will have um, those waves, those ripples, yeah. um, the ripples that goes from from those projects. So it's it's about having an impact with what I'm doing, but taking the energy from one project to go to the other one. Nice, that's great. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you. And that was Claire. Um, I hope you found that as enjoyable as I did to record. Um, yeah, and I mean, the, the stuff that the, the Creative Dundee guys are doing for the creative community and the sort of wider community as well, um, I just can't highly praise it enough. Um, it's fantastic, especially with such a small team. And yeah, th- th- they do amazing things with the resources that they have. Uh, just phenomenal. And I mean, a lot of that is down to the people, the three guys doing that at the moment. So yeah, I mean that's it for this week's episode. The only thing that's left to do is to recommend another podcast. Uh, this week I'm keeping in the vein of things a bit strange and a bit weird and it's going to be missing Richard Simmons this week. Um, I, I mean I'm sure a few of you will be familiar with Richard Simmons, a sort of health or fitness guru um, from way back. I suppose that the he was American, so the British alternative was something like Mr. Motivator. Uh, but Richard Simmons had gyms, he had videos out, he was on every TV show, he was like 
massive celebrity and then he sort of disappeared off the face of the earth this bright smiley happy character that was all about bringing joy to people's lives and helping them lose weight um, just completely disappeared um, and they've created the podcast series about that um, in a sort of serial style um, it is a little bit dramatised but it is fantastic it's, it's really interesting in-depth look into what actually happened to him and I'll not give any more away than that so yeah that's Missing Richard Simmons, um, I'll put the link in the show notes. So that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.